a Highline podcast. This is Ravel, a roundtable show about the complexity of faith in the age of information. My name's Josh. I'm Stephen. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of American Christianity, and we still keep thinking about how to take it seriously, even as we leave some beliefs behind. We think theology should be an exploratory dialogue, so our hope is that this podcast will encourage growth, both for individuals and communities. We don't have all the answers, but we're here to sort out as much as we can over a drink or two. Join us as we ravel out our faith in a complex world, pulling on one thread at a time, seeking meaning at the end of it all. Thanks for listening. Steven, I think it's been about a week since I've talked to you last, and I I just have to say, I'm so excited to talk with you again. Oh, it's good to be back, man. We have been busy, the two of us, you at work and me doing other podcast stuff and Emily having babies. Emily, yeah. All over the place. Well, I mean, just starting with the one. Just but. the one. She's still just on the one. Not all over the place. Not multiples. Um, speaking of Emily being all over the place with her one child <laughs> who is now present in this world, uh, right. we have another guest host this week who is named Kevin, but he also goes by a different name. His, his stage name is DJ Danger. Did I pronounce that correctly, <laughs> Kevin? Close enough. Uh, I usually, I, I drop the DJ. Oh. Um, and prefer just danger because things like uh, DJ Madion or like DJ Elenium just sounds weird. Mm, yeah. yeah. It's you just don't, worse. You don't want to brand yourself next to like DJ Khaled or whatever, right? Right. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. Whereas like branding towards like DJ AM, very cool, but it's kind of a, uh, a relic of the past at this point. Mm, mm, that's a good enough. point. I guess you're right. Those two groups you mentioned don't even go by DJ. That's nope. a good point. So it's nope. danger without the E. Correct, because there's a super famous uh, EDM artist with danger with an E. <laughs> Plus, people of our generation just love dropping vowels out of stuff, you know. Well, you know, I think that, like, I think that is connected. You know, when we grew up uh, on the wild west of the internet, we didn't have to think of making these, like, super unique names because none of them were taken. Wow, Whereas, that like, is very true. Now it's, like, literally, like, there is a shortage of usernames, you know. <laughs> Well, and it took us forever to just name this podcast. Like, do you realize how many names we threw back and forth? I think we had Steven, like I thought we had a list of 60. No, yeah, it was probably close to 100. Yeah. Before we landed on what, Ravel. What was the worst one? Oh, man. What was the worst one? Probably Uprooted. It, they, they just mm. all sounded like mm. cheesy youth group names at a certain yep. point. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. Man, we should talk about like church branding sometime more in depth. That'd be oh, so good. All right. That's um, good. So Kevin, before we get too far away, I want to mention that Kevin is another co-host of the Into podcast. And Kevin, I'd love to hear what your involvement is there. Cause you're kind of like the uh like elusive fifth wheel. Yeah, I <laughs> I like to cultivate mystery around myself. Uh so I'm an Enneagram four. Uh really <clears throat> important to bring up <clears throat> at some point. Okay, this is good context. Yeah, yeah. So I, I love cultivating the mystery, but um I mean, into came about of me and Alex just going, hey, let's start a podcast, essentially. We're like, well, it'd probably suck if it was just me and you. So let's bring in other people that we love, too. So Alex was like the brains and I was the hands, I guess. Um, that I'm like, hey, funny you mentioned it. I did just spend, you know, thousands of dollars on recording equipment just in case, you know, you never know when you need a condenser microphone or three. Right. Of course. Because I... 
I am just compelled to have those things available just in case. Um, same with like camera and like video and movie equipment. Like certainly it's a hobby, but like, do I really need, you know, a fancy gimbal? No, but I might. <laughs> so as far as like current into involvement, Alex and I kind of tag team the editing together. So he like he'll do the first pass and do most of like the content and quick, easy, like, you know, Marv ate chips into his mic at this point. Um, so we cut that out um, and then he passes it off to me in kind of rough timeline format. And then I do all of the like sound design, correction, balancing, mixing, mastering. And then I also do all of the like little music barbs in there, um, which is super fun and fulfilling. Oh, yeah. Um, so like jack of all trades, you're kind of like producer type for yeah. the show. But also, also, we can't discount your your hosting abilities. And oh, yeah, I guess I talked to the delightful conversations you guys have. I mean, I love Josh calling you like <laughs> that fifth wheel just because it's Alex, his wife, his parents and Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so good. That's how my life exists in general. <laughs> All right. I think at a at a recent concert outing, I was like the 15th wheel or something. I love that. And I was like, yeah, this feels good. And now let you be the third wheel of Ravel. Now you're yes. amazing. Welcome in. Um, I'm curious what you guys are drinking this week. Well, in front of me, I have a Monster Energy Nitro. Oh, excellent choice, sir. Oh, yeah. Kind of a connoisseur. <laughs> connoisseur of fine beverages. Indeed, and vitamin B12 supplements. I love it. Love it. Supercharged. I um, was feeling fancy today, and I made myself a daiquiri. Oh. What what is in a daiquiri? I don't actually know. Delicious. Rum? Um, We have two ounces of rum, an ounce of lime juice, and half an ounce of simple syrup. It's very, very simple. You like shake it over ice and then strain it, throw a lime wedge on the edge. Gar- with a garnish it it's delightful uh, mr steven torna taught me this drink and it's super simple and it's something i had ingredients for lying about so i made one because it sounded That's super wonderful. good man maybe i should make some simple syrup to keep on hand because i have a bottle of rum that's a good idea oh there you go i love it um i'm currently drinking a limoncello Lacroix, not a real limoncello although fun fact i don't know if i told you this steven or kevin for that matter i don't know if i've told you this because this is the first day i've actually met you but you um, might have. <laughs> I drank for the first time about a month or two ago, real limoncello. Like That's it's nice. a, oh my gosh, it was incredible. Wow. I think it's technically a liqueur, Yeah, but it was so delicious. Like I drank a, like a sparkling limoncello cocktail drink and it was superb. If you ever get a chance to try it, it's amazing. That's excellent. I pounded a bottle and a half of it while we were in Italy <laughs> for Alex and Katie's, uh, engagement oh god no no no! what do you call the wedding after party honeymoon the wedding Ooh, after no party honeymoon. the honeymoon <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right yes yeah, that's, that's good yeah we found wow. out we really I'm, like limoncello oh, that's amazing kevin i'm really excited to have you on this episode because after hearing the into's episode on the god committee which was i think probably my favorite episode so far i'm just so curious to hear what you bring to the table for this podcast. So what are you thinking about? What you got? Dude, I am not excited. <laughs> I am. Oh, uh, I have no. felt 
so conflicted and uh, uneasy about this. Ooh. Yeah, it's uh, it's been weighing heavy on me, honestly, for wow. the past uh, couple of days because I don't feel good about where I am in context of this podcast. And it's like, mm, okay, man, I don't want to come in here and just start crapping on everything. Sure. Like, you know, that's that's the concept of rabble, right? You know, mm-hmm. we're not unraveling. Whereas like sometimes I'm like, unravel the whole damn thing. Freaking burn the shirt. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's less angsty than that. Certainly, <laughs> I'm playing it up because I just live in hyperbole. Right. I, yeah, uneasy. Well, so for context, then maybe we could start with, because you and I had texted a little bit about this before we started. Yeah. I wonder if we could just start with your, like, your context of your childhood and, like, growing up in the church or in Christianity and how things have evolved for you since then. Certainly. So I grew up in a very similar environment to uh, Katie and uh, identical environment to Alex. Mm-hmm. And that was very much involved with a non-denominational church. And then in addition to that, I was also homeschooled from grades one through eight. Oh, basically the same as me. Nice. Yeah. Same as me. And the curriculum of said homeschooling was switched on schoolhouse. If you guys are familiar. Oh, oh, all right. All right. Oh, you're talking to an Abeka boy right here. I don't know. Oh, switched on my man. <laughs> you, I didn't realize that I was <laughs> surrounded by scholars. I had a mixture of Abeka <laughs> and what was it called? Sunlight or Sunship something. It was like S-O-N light curriculum. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, what a clever pun. I know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, which is a uh, heavily biased uh tinged uh school curriculum um for children that's very much like on the path of you know like all right we're gonna learn about uh history so uh satan put these dinosaur bones here to trick true believers yep and to confuse them wow did it Um, actually say that I mean, uh, hard wow. to, I, I don't want to I don't want to say like verbatim quotes, but clearly evolution was a lie. Yeah. Clearly, like dinosaurs couldn't have existed. Or if they did, it was like the behemoth from uh, Joe. Joe. So Joe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the right. Leviathan and oh, the behemoth. Yeah. You know, and that's that's it. Um, everything is literal, literal flood, literal creation story. But it was weaved into the curriculum itself, which is very can be very hard to untangle when you're a child. Totally. Um, oh, yeah. The, <laughs> this is not strictly related, but so the curriculum was on the computer. Um, so I would just hop on the computer in the morning and then do all my schoolwork. And then eventually I used to go to a middle school for part time, like band and gym class or whatever. <laughs> but uh, about fifth grade, I <laughs> found out my mom's password to the switched on schoolhouse uh, uh, software. Uh, it was John three 16. I'm sorry, Jesus. And so I would just hop on, type in her password, show all the answers. You found the only begotten password. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well played. Uh, well played. So like legitimately, I didn't learn a single darn thing from like second through eighth grade. Whoa. That's wild. Yeah. Good times. And then currently, where do you find yourself located on 
the spiritual religious landscape, just roughly. That might give us a good picture. Yeah, I I would like to decouple the two, mm. or or at least make it like an X Y axis. Mm-hmm. So like highly spiritual, mm. um, and highly not religious. Great. Like so, if we're X Y, like we're all the way in one of these corners, essentially. Yeah, that oh, I like that X Y axis. Yeah, like division. you know, like, I the like political com- compass mm-hmm. memes, you know. Man, maybe we should talk about that. I feel like that's super interesting. Yeah, actually, I one of the things I had queued up in my brain ties in very well to that. So a little bit more on the backstory with uh, growing up in the church all the way through high school, very involved uh, in the band on tech, sound, youth group, like you name it. I listened to Katie's episode yesterday and basically me too to all of that. Oh, okay. And uh, one important part of that story was going to summer camp every year which was maranatha bible camp in nebraska Hmm. and it's your quintessential jesus camp experience five days do fun things like chapel morning night and on thursday thursday was always the cry night you know where it's like all right now we're gonna get serious yeah you know it's serious because the house lights are off (laughs) so alex and i I don't remember how it came up, but recently we had talked about how him and I both share this memory of it's Thursday. Everybody's crying. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure we were prompted to cry because uh, we had masturbated or something. <laughs> and we're, you know, deep in this like two hour worship set um, and the lights are off. So it's serious. And I turned to Alex and I'm like, dude, like, I'm, I'm just not like feeling this. like. You know, you look over to the the rest of the campers or whoever that you came with and they're, you know, hands up, heads down, like holding each other, swaying gently and stuff. And I'm like, what? What am I missing? Like, I feel mm-hmm. fundamentally defective because uh, everybody's affected so deeply right now. And I like had you felt it before? Like at a previous camp or previous moments? Mm, interesting question, Stephen. Interesting question. Does your memory make you think that you felt it before? Probably. Yeah. Because so like what makes this story very funny now is that I cry at almost every concert that I go to. Uh, <laughs> I cry almost every time that I perform. Like I am so easily and deeply emotionally affected by things like concerts and like the the human experience and the joy you know whatever like i feel so deeply empathetic to like you know just the group of people that's around me that like it's so funny to look back at kevin back then and it's like we're we're what everybody else that i was trying to you know, force myself to feel to be a part of, were they just feeling what I feel now at these events or at, you know, these, uh, I guess congregation might be a fun word to use there. Mm. (laughs) Um, was that it the whole time? And is that experience something completely different and separate from having like a religious experience, quote unquote? Is a religious experience tied to religion at all? 
Man, oh my gosh, what a huge question. <laughs> oh man. So, so hey, what's up? <laughs> I okay. I my first thought is you ever heard of William James William James? Yes, the, sir. Okay. Yeah. Are are you familiar at all with any of his writings? Not intimately. Okay, great. Me neither. So we can just talk like we know about it. Um Perfect. so I wrote um a little research project in college on Alcoholics Anonymous and their spiritual experience. Cool. And a lot of researchers studying like current spiritual religious experience, even from like a neurological perspective, at some point they all go back to William James because his his work called the variety of religious experience was like the philosophical foundation for like a psychological understanding of religious experience. And mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that he brings up in it that is honestly the bedrock of like scientific understanding of religious experience is this isn't a direct quote, but he says something along the lines of, even if we were to discover that in a religious experience, certain neurons fire, discovering the mechanism doesn't mean that the religious experience is just that mechanism. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's so fascinating because we can clearly see like the correlation between having a, like a, a borderline spiritual religious experience at a concert, whether you're performing or you're viewing it, like we can just find so much deep meaning in that. And it's so strikingly similar to like this, like worship experience in a religious setting, or even if it's not like tied to music, like obviously people can experience something like spiritually without music being tied to it. Like obviously music is a a factor in most of those settings, but Mm -hmm. man, is the religious experience even tied to religion at all? What do you think? Uh, do you think it is no so like would you call what you go through when you're performing like when you feel emotively moved by music you wouldn't call that a religious experience i would not know i but like i understand what religious experience is trying to describe sure and i'm like it is that it is what you're talking about but i feel like religion is uh you know trying to like license that you're like, oh, every time mm. you feel these feelings, like you sure. have to give religion five cents, you know, whatever. Interesting. Well, okay. would you feel okay calling it a spiritual experience? Certainly. Okay. So, I mean, maybe it's, I feel like it'd be completely warranted. And I feel like plenty of religious people could get on board with this, that like spiritual experiences are happening within religion, but you don't always need religion to have a spiritual experience. Certainly. I feel like that, that seems satisfactory to me at least. Oh yeah. I mean, that's. That's mild, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A number of years ago, um, my family took me to a, a concert here in Billings. We saw Chicago and Earth, Wind and Fire play back to back. Nice. Huge arena show, right? And we're just like way up on the wings, uh, just like bird's eye view of the, like, the side of the stage. You can see everyone on the floor. And it was, it was truly incredible. Um, and for me, like, at that stage I was in my life, I had been like in a particular uh, time where I was just kind of like doubting the sincerity of any and all worship music. And I, I just, I had a moment where I was watching people on the floor, listen to Chicago. And like, if you swapped the audio from the video, like I was getting as feed, like visual feedback to myself. Like if you swap the audio for Hillsong music, it would have looked to the exact same. Like I saw people on the floor, like 
crying, raising their hands, singing along like people were like sitting and having like real moments connecting to the music that they grew up listening to. Right. Because, you know, how many of these songs by Chicago like were there for people through breakups or there for people through like celebrations like maybe this song was their wedding song or something like that. So people were having like an emotional moment. And where I was even with worship music, I was looking at that and being like, I'm not even sure that's real. But now, like in my life today, like I feel so like ridiculous for judging their experience at the Chicago concert for being anything less than something spiritual was happening with them because they were responding to probably a lot of memory, probably probably a lot of like prepackaged things that have come along with them. And, and now they were seeing their favorite band perform live, you know, but yeah, I think for me, I was looking at it and I'm like, this isn't church. Like no one should be worshiping Chicago or whatever, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure how helpful that is <laughs> to feel or to think, <laughs> but like now I'm just like, yeah, let them, let them have that experience. Like if someone can connect that deeply and it sounds like, honestly, that's what happens with you very often, Kevin, like going to shows around the Denver area or even performing yourself. Like there's something powerful about music. There's something powerful about people like gathered together to either see someone perform or participate in someone else performing, you know, and like we're doing a thing together and music, like human beings have known that music can do this for however many thousands of years, like since we discovered that we can pound on a drum and we feel things around the campfire, Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, one thing I read, man, I can't remember the book now, but uh, it had the most wonderful quote about it. And it was that by nature, words have to go through the brain first, uh, whereas music speaks directly to the heart. Oh, it bypasses Um, our mm, like language centers. Right. Exactly. Fascinating. Which is very nice. And I like it. And like where I'm going with these experiences uh, is that certainly you can call it spiritual, but it is not mystic. Like the spiritual actor in this sense is like empathy and a sense of belonging. Like those are the magic behind what's happening. It's Mm. not mystic. Uh. And that doesn't mean it's not unique and special, but we don't, like it doesn't need to be attributed any further than like, yeah, um, we made this, we did it. Oh. oh, I see your point. Okay. Yeah. Like we don't need to, we don't need to attribute it to uh, any higher power of any sort. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sure. I can get on board with that. I mean, like, I guess it kind of depends on like the framework that someone's starting with anyway. I feel like it's been so long since I've heard someone justify it this way, but I feel like I've heard people talk about how even if we've created an experience in a church setting, I say we, like I'm doing this, I'm not doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Like if we've, or like, I don't know, I work in a, I I work in a hospitality job and like we talk Mm -hmm. about like guest experience and stuff like that. And, or like internet people talk about like the user experience. Like even if you have like designed an experience somehow, I feel like a lot of people will still attribute it to like the higher power of, corporate or um mm. even if you are creating a church experience i feel like i've heard christians justify it as like well god like still had a part in this because like i mean god created everything True. even if they don't believe that god directly caused something but mm. i feel like you're onto something too there because i feel like there is this sense in christianity at least of like having the spiritual experience and like knowing on one hand that we have created and crafted an experience 
but also believing intention that somehow God also did this. Right. And I feel like I, I really like your distinction that like something being spiritual doesn't have to be mystical. Mm-hmm. And so, and therefore something being spiritual can be something human caused. Yeah. I feel like that's helpful. Well, and the thing to point to is the fact that it was every Thursday night at camp was cry night. Oh yeah. Right. Like it was yeah, something you could literally totally. plan on and leadership knew it. Right. And so, uh, I think the best way for me to communicate is by just throwing anecdotes at you guys until you're sick of them. Oh, I'm and down. you're like, Oh wait, there was a point. <laughs> so, uh, so here, here goes another, this past June. So two months ago, I went to this very same, uh, Jesus camp doing, I was like their head of production. Um, so I did all of the videos did not sign up to, but, took over like lighting, you know, slide backgrounds. I mean, every portion of like the creative direction for that week um, was in my hands. And so being on that side of the curtain and that's uh, that's what I really love doing. I love putting on events um, and doing like cultivating a vibe, essentially. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Um, it fulfills me so much. And that's such a huge part of my own DJ performances and sets because I have, you know, created these synced visuals and like lighting cues and, uh, you know, DJing itself is all about cultivating and curating and carefully and intentionally choosing these songs and what order and how long to play them and blah, 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 all to like paint this bigger story, you know, to weave a, a web throughout the night. Mm-hmm. So I, thoroughly enjoy doing the work. So I'm at this camp and I'm getting so, so frustrated by, uh, the like volunteers that we have. Well, I guess they're not volunteers. They're actually paid employees by the camp who are like the camps lighting guys and the camp sound guy, but the other people in the production end of it. And I'm getting so frustrated with their performance, essentially, you know, screwing up, sound like you know it's just not sounding right or unintelligible uh missing lights so like the house lights are on halfway through like the worship service or something and it finally took me like going home and talking to alex about it to really process out why and the thing is is like doing these events and working in the production is manipulating people (laughs) and going to these events are like It's a consenting agreement that when you pay the ticket, when you attend this show, people are trusting you with their emotions, feelings, you know, thoughts, maybe, um, Mm. you know, their state of consciousness, I guess, for that night or that week or whatever. And like, that's first of all, mind blowing. Second of all, like I'm choosing the word manipulation intentionally because that's all it is like turning the lights off so that you focus on something else in the room is like, that's just classic misdirection. Hmm. But like, we understand these things and they're like social cues that, you know, when you go see a uh, musical, like, Oh, the lights are off. I look at the stage now because that's the thing that is lit. And when you're not, when you're not doing that job, well, like you are betraying the trust of your patrons. <laughs> right. You're peeking behind the curtain and finding out the Wizard of Oz really isn't a wizard. 
Well, it's that. And it's like you're you're manipulating. You're like taking what these people have trusted you with and just like crapping on it. Hmm. Like, you know, in the scheme of things, like, you know, missing your light cue and like, you know, the house lights coming on during the slow third worship song. It's not really that big of a deal. Like, I mean, the lights just came on, but it breaks the immersion for all these people that you are trying to cultivate something inside of them with. And it drives me nuts. Mm. I'm like, you're being irresponsible with these people that trusted you. Wow. Okay. So I have, I have two thoughts. The first is, I think you are very well, like, I don't know if this is a, like a Christian camp that is employing people to do lights and sound and all that, or if it's just, you know, a, a business that opens up for any organization to basically rent it out. It's the first one. Oh, mostly the first and a little bit of two. Okay. So one thing that you're speaking to, which is kind of a pet peeve of mine lately is how religious people in particular, like a certain brand of Christians get away with like putting out art um, mm-hmm. just because they can like slap a Jesus fish or a cross yeah. on it, you know? And it's, it's, it's almost one of those things where it's like, well, we just need the volunteer. We need to like, we need the person to uh, sign a contract for like a part-time 20 hour a week job, even though we're going to use them for 50 hours a week. And when the value structure is built around volunteers or like very low pay, it's like, I mean, kind of, of course, these people aren't going to be as invested as you want them to, you know? Mm-hmm. That's kind of a side topic that is a personal pet peeve of mine as well. But I think the other thing is like, I hear some like frustration or anger in you just basically saying, like, can't we be honest about the fact that we are the ones, like, with our fingers on the dials? that enact this manipulation instead of being like, I'm just going to do it because God wants me to, right? Because God has a higher purpose for me turning the house, light, house lights off at the right time. And if I miss it, mm. like, uh, God can still use it, but, you know, did I do my best or something? I don't know. I, I, I'm also struck by, Kevin, that the thing that you are the most passionate about in life in general probably is like this sort of creative production and you also strike me i don't want to like put a label on you that you're not self-imposing but you you strike me as someone who's very cynical of institutional religion in general probably yeah i'd say that's probably okay like more or less i mean i'm cynical in general sure okay (laughs) yeah but also not i love at the very least doubtful i'm a four baby (laughs) (laughs) but so then that in tandem with I feel like that creative production in church culture is critiqued the most within Christianity. And it just, it's so striking to me that like you are still passionate about good creative production in that manipulative setting when like even within the church, that kind of creative production is totally criticized between different church styles. Right. You know, you hear very often like, why, what good does a fog machine have, you know, in a church service? And I'm like, you idiot. <laughs> There's so much. It, yeah, this is like what I, I have no idea what a fog machine could be used for other than creating a glory cloud in the sky. So, I mean, it's it's all atmosphere. So so to take it like one one step deeper, you know, being on the back end side of it and also on the performance side of it, like it as a worship leader, you know, I defy <laughs> every worship leader 
is uh, just being called to raise their hands and also tell the congregation that if uh, the spirit is uh, moving them to also lift their hands at the crescendo of the song, every chorus on three services a day. I, uh, I don't, uh, I'm not going to believe you if you tell me that that was just spirit led. Huh. Huh. But here's the thing is, I don't think it's bad. It's serving a purpose. Mm. Just don't lie to me about it. Because like, here's the deal. Like the funny part about like running the production at a Bible camp Something that like I disagree on probably most of the foundational levels of what they're teaching. I'm like, there's still good here to be done. Hmm. What whatever my own religious views are, there's kids who need to talk about stuff and they need community. And we can do that. And you don't have a monopoly on that as a Christian camp. And it's unfortunate that we don't really have a secular, uh, you know, alternative to it. So whether or not like whatever the heck I think, you know, apologetically and theologically, like I can still do good here. And a lot of that is done through, again, what we're talking about, this manipulation that you're like, you're creating an environment where like you you know, strike all any of these kids. Um, I worked really, really, really hard on the intro video to the camp. So like the very first thing that all these campers walk into like the auditorium for the first night, huh. it's huge. Like the room is completely dark and it's loud as crap. Um, and it's meant to like inspire awe, create this like massive sense of wonder. It's like the, the first impression <laughs> when your favorite band like the headliner comes on and like, you know, they gotta, they gotta open this thing up. You know, they have, they, they got one shot to open their set. Wow. Um, wow. So I'm doing this for the camp because like, like I said, there's good to be done here and the environment is kind of the key to that. That's really striking to me that you still feel that strongly about it. Like, cause I feel like anytime I hear someone criticize churches that use such big creative production, it's usually the critique that, they're just trying to manipulate people with the atmosphere. Yeah. With that fog machines and the lights. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, correct. That is precisely. And you, the, the like uh, borderline anti-religious spiritual person are like, heck yes, we are. Yeah. It's so important. That's really yeah. striking to me. That's super fascinating. We're going to take a quick break to say a few thank yous. Then we'll be back to our conversation. Thank you to our generous patrons for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Y'all are such a huge encouragement to us. If you'd like to support future episodes of Ravel, visit patreon.com slash Ravelpod or by tapping the link in the show notes. Thank you to everyone who is giving five-star ratings and thoughtful reviews on Apple Podcasts and to everyone who contributes to our weekly discussions at Ravelpod on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, much love to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music in full color. And thank you to the Highline Media Network for having us as one of their founding podcasts. Here's a quick preview of a recent episode from our sister show, The Into Podcast. And it's that I got this unusual gift of finding out that my love has an incurable autoimmune disease that will shorten her life by up to 20 years. That seems like an odd gift, but... 
my stupid, dumb, giant tattoo on my ribs. Mm. I have yeah. grown to love so much mm. over the years. You know? Yeah, freaking nerd. My yeah. <laughs> Tell me what you like about me. Don't be a dude. Oh, yeah? yeah. Oh, yeah? yeah. Name 10 things about Katie that you oh, like yeah? then. Oh, yeah, you like me? Why don't you marry me, sucker? <laughs> Name her first album. Yeah. And now, back to the conversation. I think that definitely carries a lot more nuance than I've treated my history with worship leading you know like i haven't i haven't seen a church stage in like a year and a half now and and i feel great about it and but and honestly like the the way you're nuancing the uh the bad takes kevin is like things i've said within the last year even (laughs) you know sure man so that is really eye-opening because even the even the idea of like a headliner so like you and i are about to partake in the the august burns red tour that's coming through denver oh i know right and they are masters of that. They they have yes. like the intro song that they've developed to be the thing like the guitarists take the stage first, right? The drums go mm-hmm. out and like the low frequencies are just like rumbling through everyone's legs and like we all just yep. feel it in our bones before we see the singer come out. Like there's yep. there's everything about building the hype. And then of course they further create their atmosphere at that metal show with like pyrotechnics and um yes. some of the most incredible light shows I've ever seen. And yeah, and that can be okay as long as I think what you're highlighting for me is like as long as we're being honest about that it's the fact that we as humans have our fingers on the dials of those things. Yeah. If I'm hearing you correctly because I think I think that's probably where our opinions converge the most, especially pre this conversation. I think you're kind of winning me over in general, but pre this conversation, I think we definitely both agree that the manipulation happens, yes. And I think you've nuanced it to a place where we can recognize that that is that way. And in fact, you're taking it upon yourself. Like these people actually trust me and look forward to this because it's an experience they want to have. Like why else would we go to church once, twice, three times a week Mm -hmm. if we weren't expecting some kind of experience, right? But as long as we're being honest about it, it's like it's us humans that are doing it. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the Holy Spirit that's doing it on cue at minute 43 and 20 seconds, you know? Mm. I would almost argue, Kevin, that you are creating a religious experience because it's Mm -hmm. among a group of people. And I think that uh, this is obviously such a simplification, but I think that a lot of people equate spiritual with like individuality and religious with like group dynamics. Like, for instance, Hmm. Alcoholics Anonymous, great example. They talk about spirituality, but it's almost always in terms of the self. Almost Mm -hmm. always. Even if you, like, are talking about the group, it's your relation to the group. Not like, what is the group? The group is accomplishing nothing. You are accomplishing the things. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is also, I'm not saying this is a great definition, but I think that this is how it is in a lot of people's minds. I think this is also the reason why people will join companies and then either in the moment or later talk about how it almost felt a little bit like a cult to them. Like that's the only language they can like wrap their minds around it with. And I think it's because totally been there too. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? And I think it's, I think it's because people associate this, like the, the group joining together on one thing and accomplishing a thing together. The only other place we see that that works is in religion. It doesn't really work in politics, even though we try to make it work. But like (laughs) in like religious groups, the group actually is able to form into another entity and accomplish something together. 
And I would almost argue that because you're doing this in a group setting, you're not you're not just doing it for yourself or putting it on for one person. You're putting it on for a group of people to accomplish a thing for that group. I would almost argue you're crafting a religious experience. Mm, keep talking. Keep going. I'm, 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 I mean, I'm for- I probably don't need to convince you of that, but I'm formulating a point, but uh, it's just not there yet. Yeah, I mean, maybe I don't need to convince you of that, but I don't know. It's just striking to me that like you're still so passionate about that experience, and even in the context of a religious setting. In my mind, that therefore that's a religious experience. <laughs> okay, okay, I've got my uh, I've got my things. So, first, talking spiritually about these experiences, I even take it less mystic, and we'll just say non physical as the definition of spiritual for this. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Because, like, for example, Stephen, just you describing the opening to an August Burns Red show. I was straight up goosebumped. Me too. I felt that. Just, yes. I, for the record, did not feel that. That's okay. But I've never been to an August Burns Red show. That's not, have yeah. You, have you been to like a really big, like big money production show before? Mm, yeah, I've seen Skillet before. They're pretty huge. Oh, stop. In their production. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't with you right now, Josh. <laughs> Sorry. I feel like a monster right now. <laughs> God, get out. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not letting that one slide. Absolutely not. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Unacceptable, Joshua. Jeez. Straight straight um, out of the frying pan and into the fire. Anyway, no. 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 <laughs> anyway, Kevin, back to the goosebumps we were feeling just describing the thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't have a uh, fully thought out point at the end of this. I'm I'm just like, that's important. That's powerful. Just mm. imagining, I don't know, the sense that you get looking next to like the stranger in the crowd and you're like, oh, here it comes like it's a bonding experience. Yeah. And like the energy in the room is palpable and electric. Yep. I want to float something past you, Kevin. Because this whole church production thing is interesting. And we could argue about like the spiritual religious experience all day, I feel like between the sure. three of us. But I'd really love to get your thoughts on church branding. Because we just like hinted at branding earlier, and then I was like, "Oh, we should have a conversation about those sometime." And now I want to have that conversation. Oh, I think. Uh, before we move on, I actually had an idea for oh. spiritual religious. Um, oh, please do. In the context I was born into and kind of raised through my early faith journey, I always equated spiritual with something that was like way more, um, like ecstatic or like being a non-denominational, like basically Baptist, I equated spiritual with like charismatic Pentecostals. Sure. And I equated religious with like a boring, uh, Catholic mass that like repetitively praised the same thing over and over again. So Mm -hmm. it became something Mm -hmm. that I think created like a false duality between something like spontaneous and emotive experience with the divine versus like, what I thought was a boring, habitual, like repetitive, you know, like we're going to pray the rosary and then we're going to kneel and stand like however many times during a mass, you know? And I think like in my, in my journey lately, like I've been like, if we're using that as the definition and using kind of what Josh laid out as religious being kind of more communal or about the group dynamic versus the individual 
enjoying the fruits of some form of like ecstatic, emotive, mm. spiritual experience, right? That is a very individual experience to get the worship time goosebumps or like the middle of prayer mm. goosebumps, right? Which admittedly, I feel like I'm mindful enough of the fact now that like the same goosebumps I've felt during an amazing worship set are the exact same goosebumps I felt seven minutes ago when I was describing the beginning of an August Burns Red show, yeah. right? Like it's the same yeah. tactile, mm. like my body is responding with excitement to the same, like with the same like response based on mm. a different, but maybe it's not different stimuli, you know? Sure. But like for me, like I think lately, like I I've literally been praying rosaries every day for maybe two weeks now. And I've been connecting with that as a religious experience, if I'm going to use that language, because there's something for me that I connect with that maybe is maybe like the, the mystical aspect of it, Kevin, that you might be skeptical of, but like there's something about praying a rosary with a string of beads that I feel connects me to people who were doing the same practice, the same things like 1500 years ago. You know, like that, it's like a communal thing to like enter into that religious experience. And it yeah. also gifts me a spiritual experience along the way, you know? No, I think that's awesome. And actually, mm. so over the course of you saying that I, but my chakras unblocked and the point that I'm making <laughs> oh, excellent. appeared so clearly. And I'm sorry, Josh, you're going to have to be the other guy in this uh, because I rebuke you. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Excellent. Um, because I something that you said stuck out to me and I couldn't figure out why. And then I figured it out and it's actually pretty monolithically like the problem that I have, the angst or whatever that I'm feeling is pretty well into this that you had mentioned like, well, where else do you see a group of people come together to accomplish a tax task than religion? And that's bad. And that's my problem with the whole thing, actually. Oh, okay. Oh, that I think I and I don't think you actually feel this way. But the language here is my problem is uh, religion and specifically based on my own personal experiences, Christianity, trying to place this monopoly on these experiences that, well, mm. I mean, where else can you find this? You can't. Therefore, it must be God. Wow. Uh, Because Mm. in response to you, like, where else do you see that? Uh, Sports teams, uh, the scientific community at large, any sort of like uh, (laughs) community, a neighborhood, uh, three three guys in a band, uh, the production team behind August Burns Red's pyrotechnics, visuals and uh, sound mixing everywhere, literally Everywhere humanity and the human experience is us coming together to accomplish a task. And I take sure. extreme offense to religion and religious figures trying to put their trademark or copyright on that. Sure. Yeah, that 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 is a very, very thought out critique. Wow. <laughs> Point Mon- taken. Monopoly feels like such yeah. a big word for that. And I love it. I think that is spot on. Yeah, because claiming that uh, any form of these like spiritual or religious experiences belong to like a group that happens to all read the same book. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
can't we see how weird that sounds if we say it in plain language like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, that's the other part of it is like, you can feel it in a book club reading Kurt Vonnegut. Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Right. It's, it's not ridiculous to think that people can feel this by just getting in a group and reading a book. Wow. It's so the ridiculous part is claiming that your book specifically is the one that does it. That's good. That's strong right there. So along those lines, our thoughts about these churches have, or these groups, these religions have successfully branded themselves as Mm -hmm. the, you know, they've advertised in such a way that basically we're all just kind of convinced at an early age. And then we have to deconstruct a ravel around like, do you really hold like all the pieces of the pie? Like, are you the only people that can distribute the goodness of the universe? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think like what Josh says, like that kind of does come down to branding and like successful messaging over hundreds of years. Yeah. Kevin, what do you make? What do you make of like this new movement in church culture and Christianity in America currently where like churches are rebranding themselves or like coming up with new names? Because I think you touched on something really interesting about our generation that like our generation when we're like starting to put out new projects, like it's harder to find a good name that hasn't been used or tainted mm-hmm. like with your background in branding and production, what do you make sense of with churches trying to rebrand themselves? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I have, I have a whole lot about it. <laughs> and I, 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 I want you, I, I want to know specifically what you want to know from me. Um, because <laughs> you know, tear it up on your branding. Like, yeah, if you're running your church as a business, all of the things about marketing and branding apply to you. So do you just see yeah. that as honest then? Like that a church is actually being honest, that it's being more business minded? No, I'm seeing I'm seeing me as viewing it honestly. But I do feel like, you know, just like my same problem with like, just stop lying to me. Like, <laughs> like I completely removing myself from the problems that I have with Christianity. Like, of course, you have to run it as a business. Like you are a 100 person corporation uh Mm. like you have you have salaries and you have you know retirement accounts to think of you're a business like stop trying to hide the fact that you are like it's okay yeah like from that end i'm like yeah like stay relevant i guess or don't i don't care but (laughs) i still find myself like being religious ish and i just cannot I I just like cannot get behind churches that just like make up names for themselves. I think it's, I think deep in my heart, like I just want to call it dishonest, especially when a church is like clearly affiliated with a denomination. It just feels like they're trying to like pull wool over people's eyes. And I really dislike it. I think it's slightly different from like a non-denominational church that's technically independent and they're like trying to make a name for themselves somehow. But that still feels weird to me. Like, I think that there is a little bit of honesty, maybe in that churches are maybe starting to recognize that it's okay to admit that they are businesses. Also, they're just like religious in nature, but I just, there's just something about it that doesn't sit right with me. So is that an appeal to tradition? Like, do you respect the people who are like, yes, we are United Methodist or we are totally Episcopalian. Like we are entering the stream of a tradition of our religion rather than uh, just trying to be like a new uh, <laughs> a new nexus point on the timeline. Hello, Loki. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I'm getting at. 
because we have a sacred timeline to maintain. So, I mean, what's uh, like, what's your perfect scenario or like, what is, what is a church doing it correctly look like? In terms of uh, naming itself? In terms of branding in general. And I guess if you can go both as an arm of, you know, a larger organization like United Methodist and a, you know, houseplant church, because it sounded like there is some distinction there for you, at least. Yeah, man, it's hard to pin it down for sure. But because I don't know what the answer is, but I know when it doesn't sit right with me. Okay, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that that's maybe somewhat similar to the way that people look at church production is I think there's a lot of people out there, for instance, that like will look at church production and they can't quite articulate what the church production is doing. Like they don't know the reasons why you need a fog machine, but Mm -hmm. they might look at something and just intuitively think that doesn't sit right with me. And I can't explain Mm -hmm. why. And one of the things that I hear you saying too, which this might be an interesting thread to pull on. One of the things that I think is interesting with you in thinking about like church or religious culture and or manipulation is you clearly know your stuff regarding experience, mm-hmm. right? Sure. And, but you also clearly know how to identify when something doesn't sit right with you. And what doesn't sit right with you is like the dishonesty within, right? Like when people are not honest about manipulating, like you're fine with the manipulation. You just want people mm-hmm. to be honest about it. For sure. <laughs> and uh, what's still so interesting to me about all of that is that you still see the, you're still able to like, see through all of that to the good that can still be done. Yeah. And I think what's I for me I think what's the most interesting question there is like how can people if at all be a part of religious community or like intersect in some way like you being like a contractor of some sort to do these productions how can people like interact in a religious community even if they don't completely agree with it? Like, can good still be done in those communities? And can they, like, meaningfully affect change for people who are still in them? Yeah, because that question only exists, like, that question only comes from someone in a religious community. Like, outside of a religious community, you're, it's not like, how can I, as a sports team member, interact with a band? Like, the, mm. the only people drawing lines are the religious group themselves. And that's why Mm. people just get absolutely mind fricked (laughs) when they fully deconstruct and they start going to like events or meeting people or like this, this one hits very close to home because Katie and Alex, you know, just kind of started getting plugged into a comedy community. And Alex was like, like my mind is blown that we go to an after party And, you know, there's people drinking and like probably doing drugs in the bathroom. And like I walked out with just dozens of meaningful connections with all these new people and this sense of fulfillment and community at a seedy after party because I was told all my life that like this is this is what church is for. This is where you get that. You can't Mm -hmm. get this anywhere else. And it's Mm. like, I was lied to that Mm. this, the love of the church is not the church. Like the love is just love and it's Mm. everywhere out there. Hmm. I think that's a great point to make, man. Even your example of like, how does (laughs) like, 
uh, someone on a sports team asking how they could like be engaged or like enjoy the band, you know, mm-hmm. man, you, you have a way of putting like very simple language about around things that like, you know, I, I've probably been guilty of, of being that person within the religious context being like, well, how can you like be here if you're not like one mm-hmm. of us, you know? Right. But then putting that simple language around it is like, oh, yes, of course you can play on that baseball team yeah, and like, you can enjoy yeah, that see, band, you know, yeah, like no, no one cares. Like, <laughs> like you're more like other people than you are different. Wow. Like, yeah. And and maybe it's just our religious systems that are so used to just helping us identify like who's on the same team or like, well, they're know. sinners and they're saved. Mm. And mm. You got to go. You got to go interact with the sinners. Right. But you but can't become one group. of them. Right. No, you go, you can go into the world. Just don't become of the world. Mm. Mm. So despite all of that, um, to me, that seems really optimistic. So I'm just going to call it optimism. So despite all of that optimism, like what part of you is still feeling the burn all it down, burn all of it? For instance, like, I, I guess I'm like still picturing you in my head as like relatively not religious and or maybe agnostic. I don't even know if you use that word. Yeah. But I get this sense from you that you deeply believe that, that like we can still redeem people's experiences in religion, even if we don't believe their religious convictions. What do you mean? Can you clarify further? I'm sorry. Like, like you, the production person Mm -hmm. like wants to put on a meaningful experience for people, even Mm -hmm. if you don't believe everything that those kids are being taught. Sure. And like, if you believe that, like what's the other part of you that wants to burn it all down. Like if you think that people's experiences in these institutions can still be used for good. Like, is it like the, is it like the abuse that happens in the church or like all, all of the good things, all of the positive parts of the experience, none of them have to do with the religion itself. As far as I'm concerned, Mm. the religion is mostly just negative (laughs) add ons to Mm. like the, the core, like the human experience. Yeah, sure. You know, just just like what I said, it's just like unnecessarily divisive. I mean, I think you could even make that argument from a theological standpoint, like just in the acts of like convincing people that they are totally depraved and like you need to feel guilt and you're a sinner. And like there's tons of negative emotion associated with churches. And that's not even including like religious trauma, religious abuse, like stuff like that. Like there's been some there's been some that the church has done, even in like recent decades like you we don't even have to go that far back we, we got the quiverfuls you know just a <laughs> year or two ago and that's that's where i go to burn it down where it's like all right we're gonna save this tree of religion we just gotta prune the branches off and it's like dude I, there's a certain amount of pruning to be done and then it's just like just pull the tree out mm. like the tree is rotten like it, mm-hmm. it, it is not worth pruning 99 branches to save a sapling. You know, I, wow. I think a lot back when I was really, really into Christianity and like anytime it came up with uh, my friends outside of the church, I was already like justifying and making excuses before I even told them my like religious or spiritual views. They're like, you know, like, do you go to church, dude? And I'm like, well, yeah, but I mean, it's not like one of those bad churches, you know, like it's a cool youth group and, uh, you, you know, like I believe in God and stuff, but like, I'm not, you know, like one of those crazy guys or anything. And like, I, uh, it's cool if you drink or whatever. 
Um, <laughs> and it just like, it feels so like guilty by association. Yeah. Wow. That you're like, okay, well, I'm part of this group, but I'm going to spend the next 30 minutes denouncing all of the bad guys in our group so that you're sure that I'm not one of the other guys in our group. Wow. I like that as kind of like a, it almost feels like a litmus test. Like if we're all being mindful of the way we go out in the world and like people ask us to just describe what we do for fun or like where we go on Sunday mornings or, or anything like that. Like there's something so revealing about maybe even subconscious things that you're not willing to say out loud, but it, it it's very revealing that you were able to notice that Kevin and like it pulls you all the way back to like, man, should I even keep going if I need to like defend myself against the reputation that this place gives off just by association? Mm -hmm. That's huge. That's huge. And so, I mean, that's, that's where my burn it all down comes from. Hmm. I feel like that is such a nuanced burn it down mentality still. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, burn it down for the right reasons. I'm not a (laughs) personist. That's funny. Yeah. Burn it down because the, the building is, like not up to code. The building is unsafe. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Wow. I like all these metaphors. These are very helpful, Kevin. You Enneagram I four like presenting. Metaphors. Yeah. I resonate with metaphors quite a bit. So I've I've been appreciating all of these. They're very powerful. And uh, I have to say it, I've been saying it to every into host that has joined Ravel thus far, but like the way that all these different voices and different opinions and different worldviews even can share the same table on your podcast. And yet there's still something like even further behind the beliefs that some people might want to keep, you know, there's, there's like an attitude amongst the five of you where you can feel comfortable, like challenging each other. And there's a respect there that, you know, you know, the mics are going to switch off and then you're going to go like, enjoy the hot tub or enjoy a drink Mm. and just, continue to be friends and continue to like make community together despite the difference in belief or despite the differences in like, well, no, we should redeem the church instead of trying to burn it down. You know, even, you mm-hmm. know, if it's unsafe, like, can we, can we reinforce the foundation somehow before we just go to, you know, planting C4 or whatever? Yeah. I love that you guys do that. I think the, the concept of into with the five voices that are there, I think it highlights just the, like the conversations that we could be having if we were all, if we all had the attitude that we can like come with respect, enjoy ourselves, challenge each other for sure. Yeah. And then just continue to come away from the same table, like as family and as friends. Well, I mean, thank you very much for saying that. Um, and if, if there was a banner that I came in under or like I, a religion that I, had the authority to speak on it would be that that is not a unique thing you can find it and you can make it just about anywhere and with anyone mm-hmm. you know i was i was at an after party last night till 5 30 this morning oh my um, gosh Whoa. and had the best just the best uh conversation of including and approaching like matters that we've talked about tonight with a dude who's a personal trainer from New Jersey out visiting his sister, hmm. you know, and we talked for two hours over White Claws and McDoubles. 
And I'm like, eh. that was communion, baby. You had yeah, communion with like, that fellow like, from New Jersey with white claws and McDouble. Josh, exactly. I can't yeah. believe I was about to make that exact same joke. <laughs> <laughs> the bread yeah. and wine. Yes. <laughs> this is my McDouble broken for you. <laughs> no, Kevin, I completely agree. And like, I think that that's exactly why there's so many people in America. And I mean, I don't think it's exclusive to America, but I think it's happening, especially in America. So many people going through like faith crisis or deconstruction or a spiritual emergency, or they just like feel like their faith is just raveling all over the floor. And they're like struggling to find this sense of community. And I think you're absolutely right that like so many people, their minds are just blown when they discover that community can happen anywhere. And in fact, it does. And like, I think you're absolutely right that like the church totally tries to monopolize that sense of belonging when in reality it does happen in a lot of places and we can just make it happen. Mm-hmm. Like I've totally experienced that myself, like creating events or like fostering uh, like a meaningful workplace, whether I'm in management or not. I think you're absolutely right that like it is community is just like waiting at our fingertips. So good. I love that. Man. I feel good about this evening. What do we feel like we landed somewhere? I feel great. I I think so. This was a a truly wonderful, uh, masterfully manipulated, religiously oriented, yep, not religious experience. <laughs> communal oh, time. Yeah. Just wait until the uh, the soundtrack comes out. <laughs> no, and uh, I I do want to make it very clear. Like Josh, I I feel like I unintentionally made you representative of. On behalf of like the church and uh, <laughs> none of that was personal. Oh, no, you're you. fine. And like, I, th- I think you're the coolest. Um, you're also the coolest. No. Oh, dangers. Literally your last name. Oh, middle name. What is the oh, middle name? What is this Australian accent you keep trying with calling him danger? It's from something, isn't it? Mm. I have no Danger's idea. my middle name. For, it's got to be from something. For all I it know, it's just be. from you. No, it has to be from no, something. I've, I've heard the danger is my middle name phrase. I've heard that, but the Australian accent, I'm not sure about. Yeah. Very curious. Fun fact, that is how I got the name danger. Uh, oh, actually. Wait, is danger really your middle name? Uh, well, it almost did. I guess oh. th- three fun facts. Uh, yes. <laughs> I went to a different Bible camp uh, that my older brother was a part of. So I was like seven and he would have been like 16 or 15. So I'm hanging out with my older brother and his friends who are all cool because they're teenagers. And uh, one of them said to me, like, oh, I guess danger is your middle name. And I was like, that is the coolest thing I've ever heard anybody say about me. (laughs) And it like it immediately became so core to me. I was like, my God, that was the coolest thing. (laughs) That's your identity now. (laughs) Yes, 100 percent. So like when I got a Facebook like three years later, the first thing I did was make sure my middle name was Danger on it. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, Yeah. So that's how I achieved it. For my 18th birthday, Alex wanted to get my name legally changed to middle name Danger. Um, Went through most of the process, but holy cow, it's hard to change your name if you're not getting married. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hundreds of dollars. Hundreds of dollars. You have to actually put it into newspaper print. Like you have to petition a judge. Wow. Like it's a big deal. Oh my. So we were like, nah, it's too much work. I'll just wait if I ever get married and I'll just do it then for free. Fair <laughs> enough. That's good work. My goodness. Um, Kevin, where can people find you 
if they want to find you and well, find out your dangerness. You can come find me in Denver. I'll just, uh, I'll be around. But uh, <laughs> on the internet, um, I'm at Danger Music, which is no E in danger, D-A-N-G-R, music, on everything. Literally, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, uh, MySpace. Tumblr. Tumblr. Pinterest. Pinterest. Actually, yes, Pinterest, in fact. Oh, that's amazing. Nice. I said that as a joke. That's what we call branding, baby. Yes, the branding. Right. I don't know if you're into toasts. It sounds like you are based off of your communion experience last night. But if you're into toasts, would you like to end us with a toast since Emily's not here? Oh, man. I meant to think about it this whole time. And oh, I that's didn't. okay. Uh, yeah, just do it. Oh, so okay. Sorry. Well, in that case, I think I'll close us. My mind is blank. Fire away, my friend. <laughs> I like said that and then I was like, I have nothing up my sleeve. Um I think I think I'm gonna toast this one to Emily. Yeah. To Emily. Oh. May you create a masterfully manipulated church experience every Sunday morning. May you bring meaning into the lives of your congregation, whether or not they are there thinking that is God being the Wizard of Oz, or whether they know it's you. Welcome to the Into Podcast, where we seek to insight, insight, pursuing truth for the sake of wonder. Meet my parents. That's, That's us. us. I'm Pops. I'm the cotton candy queen. My wife, Katie. Hello. My best friend, Kevin. Am I the best friend or the wife? And me, Alex. Hey. Join us to have an honest and encouraging conversation about whatever it is that we're into. Highline Media Network. Normal people in normal places.